635 Seattle's Morning News with temperatures expected to dip into the 30s this week. Western Washington lowlands could see their first measurable accumulation of snow. Here's Heather with this report. The rivets are ringing as a flurry of workers swap out tires. A line of cars waiting in bays nearby. Cole McIntosh at Le Schwab in Edmonds only expects this to get busier. Especially first snowfall, probably 8 to 10 hour wait times. I mean, it's 7 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night. Many drivers put off putting on their winter tires until the first snowfall, or at least until November, when studded tires become legal in Washington through March 31st. McIntosh says studs can help with packed snow and ice, but not so much on the soggy slush we often see. The problem is a studded tire is more based on actually frozen ground. So they bite through, get to the asphalt a bit better as to where around here usually it gets wet and then it's just a slushy mess. He recommends newer generation winter tires that don't use studs. It's actually a completely different compound. So it's a softer rubber. They're not made to be in heats over 50 degrees. So they are much better all around for the winter time. Also, look for a well-rated all-season tire. Most of the new all-seasons actually have a snow rating to them, so they are, I wouldn't say quite on the same level as a snow tire, but very close. But whatever kind of tire you're using on whatever vehicle... Just keep it slow. Speed is a factor. <laughs> I'm hearing a consistent message here. Slow down. Slow down, yes. That is the number one factor. Speed and snow and ice do not mix. <laughs> now this is guidance for driving in the lowlands, remember that chains at times are required for driving in our mountain passes. Heather Bosch, Cairo News Radio. We still have power outages uh, mostly in Snohomish County. At last check, 31,979 customers still without power after last week's windstorm. Seattle's Morning News. This is Dave Ross with Heather Bosch, who's in for Colleen O'Brien. Can almonds help the microbiome? Let's call in the doctor. Dr. Gordon Cohen, MD. I think it's fair to say that we are all fans of the microbiome on Seattle's Morning News, but uh, I had no idea that almonds had such a significant medicinal effect. So what did this latest research find? First, let's make sure we understand what the, the gut microbiome is. Literally 10 to 100 trillion different microorganisms, bacteria, some viruses, some fungi that basically coexist with us and they live in our gut. And as long as we're healthy, not only do they coexist, but they actually perform some important functions. And so the microbiome itself is a living dynamic environment where the relative abundance of these different species may fluctuate on a daily basis, a weekly basis, depending on what we eat, what medication we take, how much we exercise, and a whole bunch of other environmental exposures. So as a result, it's been an area of research and focus, and it's something that we really don't completely understand how it interacts with our body. Okay, so why would these researchers choose to study almonds? Because almonds are rich in a chemical called butyrate, which is a short-chain fatty acid that actually supports or feeds the health of the microbiome itself. What they did is they took 87 adults and they divided them up into three groups. And these were adult females and males who ranged from 18 to 45 years of age. And they self-reported that they actually ate snacks at least twice a day. 
they divided these participants into three groups, and then they replaced their snacks with either whole almonds, ground almonds, or a muffin that didn't have the butyrate in it, but had the same number of calories as the almonds did. Mm -hmm. And so for the almond group, they ate 28 grams of almonds twice a day, either whole or ground. And then there was the muffin group. So what they found is in the groups that ate almonds, whether they be ground or whether they be whole, that they in fact had higher levels of butyrates in their guts as compared to those who ate the muffin snack. Participants who ate the whole almonds actually had slightly better gut function than those who ate the ground almonds, and both of them were far superior to those who ate the muffin. So their conclusion was is that the butyrate from the almonds was, in fact, feeding the gut microbiome and making them healthier. This is a really small study. What, what, do, you, what do you think about this? Is this something that you can take to the bank, or could it be just a coincidence? No, I don't think it's coincidence. I think that, you know, this is an area of broad research to begin with. There's a lot of interest in trying to understand how the microbiome interacts with our body. We know that the microbiome, for example, stimulates our immune system and it breaks down potentially toxic food compounds. And it's also important for synthesizing certain vitamins and, and amino acids. For example, vitamin K, which is a fat soluble vitamin that's very important to our blood coagulation. So there are things like this where the, the microbiome is serving our body. So we do know, for example, a lot of people take probiotics and probiotics are essentially live active bacteria that promote digestive health. We know that you can improve your, your microbiome and your gut function by taking probiotics. We also know that if we give people antibiotics, for example, that it can severely impair their GI function, their gut function, because it, the antibiotics will kill off not only the bacteria you're trying to fight, the pathogenic bacteria for an infection, but it'll also kill off the healthy bacteria that exists within the gut microbiome and get things out of balance. Does research like this mean that eventually doctors might prescribe certain snacks and that they would therefore be paid by my health plan? <laughs> well, there's two have you, parts have you, have you seen the price of almonds lately? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's interesting that you bring up the price of almonds because almonds, according to data that's provided by the Almond Board of California in 2016, approximately 80% of the world's almonds are actually grown in California. And it turns out one almond kernel requires about 12 liters of water. And despite the fact that almonds are often considered one of the top three foods and providing greatest nutritional benefit per unit weight, what's required to actually get almonds to grow has a significant impact on you know the environment. But it sounds like uh, if you're going to choose a snack, almonds are a pretty good choice. Yeah, almonds are a good choice. You know, do I think that doctors will ever prescribe them? I think doctors do start to tell people, you know, what type of diet they should or shouldn't eat. I'm not sure we're going to get insurance companies to pay for our snacks. It's a nice thought. Yeah, well, I thought it was worth a try. It is worth a try. <laughs> Dr. Gordon Cohen, MD. Dr. Cohen, thank you. Thanks, Dave. And Mondays, we welcome in Hannah Scott for our weekly edition of Crime and Punishment. And today's cases include a dangerous repeat burglar 
an armed robber and a thief headed to prison who's looking forward to using his time there as a stepping stone to a better life. Good morning, Hannah. Good morning. Yes, I think uh, theft and robbery are the theme this morning. Uh, These were all sentencings that were done in King County uh, Court on Friday. Uh, Case number one involves a repeat burglar. These crimes happened in Ballard back in May, and the defendant was burglarizing a garage. And when he was confronted by the homeowner, his response was to point a gun at him. Uh, this was a gun he wasn't allowed to have because of his prior felony history, um, which is in addition to 12 misdemeanor convictions, which state lawmakers have said won't count towards more prison time in Washington. It's only felony cases. Uh, and this gun was clearly loaded because it went off as he shut the door of his getaway van before fleeing. Um, it's a pretty scary case what happened here. So fortunately, the uh, homeowner was not hurt. And while these crimes were considered to be fueled by drug addiction. This defendant was given a chance at a drug offender sentencing alternative back in 2016 in a 2016 case uh, when he was convicted of an earlier felony. He has a history that includes drugs and unlawful gun possession. But that didn't work. And you don't get endless chances. So in this case, he has an offender score of five. uh, And that gives him a statewide sentencing range of 22 to 29 months. So on Friday, uh, the defendant was sentenced by a judge to 22 months. So a couple of years almost uh, behind bars, uh, no more drug treatment uh, in in the prison system or out uh, from the state anyway, because Mm -hmm. he failed around that the first time. So, yeah. So it's just cold turkey. Uh, Yeah. And and you go and, you know, they have the medical staff who do what needs to be done if you've got withdrawals or something like that going on. But no, uh, like suboxone treatment or anything like that is going to be going. Uh, So we'll see what happens again, though. uh, Another criminal who gets their hands on a gun that they're not supposed to have and the majority of these, when I've been talking to law enforcement, are are not the ones that somebody goes and buys legally at the store. They're the ones right. that are these ghost guns that are illegal. Really? Ghost guns? So, so, there's no serial number, right? right. So no, I know what yeah. they are, but I mean, it sounds like, I, I don't imagine these guys them. who are high in meth are good with 3D printers, so they must be buying them from somebody no, else. No, they're right? on the street. They're circulating yeah. on the street. Yeah. There's a, a, an unknown number of them, but almost every cop I talk to says that's what, what, the, what is involved in almost every case they wow. have. Yeah, it's a bad, bad deal. Uh, that's Casey McNerthy, by the way, who's talking to us from the King County Prosecutor. Office. Case number two involves a female armed robber. These armed robberies happened back in January, and the defendant herself even admitted how scary they were. Uh, what were they trying to steal? Uh, cash and cigarettes, which is commonly what we see in these in these robberies. Also, in one of them, the defendant stole lotto tickets, and that is just really a dumb move because what happens if you win? The serial number right. on the winning lotto ticket, folks will know it's stolen, and you're on surveillance video stealing it. Even if you turn it in to you know the state or, or wherever you can redeem those, they're going to know that it's stolen. And it's it. I mean, it, for a number of reasons, this was a, a pretty dumb thing to do. Uh, and that includes one of those reasons is the fact that this woman was armed. And this was a pair of armed robbers, by the way, a man and a woman. Uh, the man was sentenced previously. This woman was sentenced on Friday. Now, the good news here. Fortunately, the clerks were not shot in these robberies, but still, they're pretty traumatic events to experience. And these happen often and people hear about them when you know they see surveillance video on the news and and um you don't hear about them a lot after that but when those cases are sent to us prosecutors consistently get convictions in cases just like this one and casey says the defendant when faced with the evidence pleaded guilty to two counts of felony robbery in both instances she wrote my co-defendant and i scared the victims with violence to steal the merchandise sheriff's deputies did very good work here to make an arrest after record 
after recognizing the suspect's vehicle in Burien. Uh, that was back in January that they made the arrest. So we're certainly thankful that they did that and sent us uh, such a solid case. So what does one get for armed robbery at the convenience store? Uh, what may surprise people about this are the sentencing guidelines for armed robbery that are set by state lawmakers. The defendant has a standard range, even with her conviction, of 12 to 14 months, um, which some people, certainly when you're on the business end of, of that gun, say that sure doesn't feel like enough. We certainly hear that from, from victims in all kinds of cases. But uh, the range from state lawmakers is 12 to 14 months, and on Friday, a judge sentenced her to 12 months and a day. And also with that conviction, her DNA will go into a, a database that checks for matches on other um other crimes. So that's the CODA system that I talk about so often. Mm-hmm. Her co-defendant also got that same amount of time. He was sentenced uh, last month, I believe. So I want to get to our third case before we run out of time. This is the one that in the lead talked about the guy who is looking for the better life. So this happened up on Capitol Hill, and it's a second degree um, assault and um, theft charge, basically. And it was somebody working at Elliott Bay Books called 911 said there was like a cash bag at the cash register like you might drop at the bank. Mm-hmm. Somebody came up, grabbed Grabbed it, kind of, uh, you know, shoved that person where the assault uh, comes into play and and took off. So the person who was working at LA Bay tried to give chase. Eventually, the cops tracked this person down, found the bag, and the, the money got back to the person. But the interesting part about this was that the uh, attorneys for this victim, or I'm sorry, for this, for this defendant said – at sentencing or in the court documents to the judge. Yep, go ahead and give us the sentencing. So, by the way, the, the sentencing range was 12 to 14 months for this mm-hmm. kind of thing. There's there's no armed involved, no gun involved in this. Uh, but, again, that assault. But uh, she, the attorney said that she had already started the – this is a woman, actually, the defendant – had already started asking about what programs were going to be available to her in prison and classes so that she cannot waste the time that she's going to serve. She wants to try to get – she's indigent is what they said. And so mm-hmm. she wants to try to get on her feet somewhere and see what kind of uh, high school graduation classes, maybe their, their GED kind of thing they can do and maybe make make some good out of the time. Well, I mean, th- that's certainly that's certainly good. Um how often does that happen, though? Uh, does that does it actually happen, or does someone ask about? Well, it? I, I guess I guess both. I mean, yeah. I, it, it sounds like most of the people that get caught doing these things are unrepentant. Their only regret is that they got caught. So, how, how often does somebody decide? Uh, I guess. Because they got caught. Okay, I've had enough. I'm going to change my life. I think not not as often as we would like, um, especially if you're talking about something that's drug-fueled, right? Because it's going to take uh, – it's that it's that sweet spot, right? You're going to have to have somebody clean long enough or, or out with the drugs out of the system for a few days to get to that point where they are like, okay, I don't want this chaos in my life anymore. I must do something different. So I think that doesn't – we don't have the opportunity to see that ha- happen as often as we would like, but they're working on that with a lot of the outreach and various programs that they're doing. When it's somebody who's just caught, who's just a bad guy, who's just a thief, and that, whether that's their circumstance or because, you know, whatever they need to do, uh, it's rare. It was rare. This case particularly stood out to me because I've not seen that in court documents yeah. before where somebody says that. Uh, that they're looking forward to what they can do in prison to to get to get better and, and to have a better life. Unfortunately, I don't think we have the kind of systems in place in our prisons in the state to to make sure everybody gets what they need in that area. Kyron News Radio's Hannah Scott. Thank you, Hannah. You bet. Your daily dose of kindness brought to you by Baird, focused on your financial needs since 1919. Visit BairdSeattle.com. For over a decade, a fifth grade teacher has been showing CBS's on-the-road segments to his students. CBS's Steve Hartman has the 
this story. I made a surprise visit to the Alhambra Traditional School in Phoenix. And although I anticipated a warm welcome, I was completely unprepared. Hello, class. For this. I mean, good gosh. It's not like I'm the rock. I'm a lump. But our connection clearly runs deep. Thanks to Mr. Derek Brown, who for more than a decade has been showing his fifth graders one of my stories every day. How do you justify it? If nothing else matters, math, English, reading, writing, nothing matters if the kids aren't grounded and good. Here you go. And to that end, I knew I was going to get a hook. He says the Americans we meet on the road teach character better than he ever could. It's just to make you like a better person. And how's it working? It was working good. It made me more nicer to my little brother. It made you nicer yeah. to your little brother. Yeah, I mean, I was. I consider nice. my career a success. Yeah, <laughs> it is a success. <laughs> and this isn't just happening in Phoenix. We have learned of other teachers across the country bringing on the road into the classroom. And the schools you see here are just the schools we know about. We estimate there are thousands of others. Which is why, to bring them all together, to share lesson plans and strategies, we have started a Facebook group called Kindness 101 for Teachers. If you know a teacher who might be interested, Mr. Brown says, please tell them about it. They have to let their kids see this. Kids have to connect to these. My stomach hurts, Mr. Brown. No, it doesn't. You're feeling Lights, please. And when that happens, he says the possibility opens wide for kids to go from watching goodness to emulating it. I'd like to see him act it out so then maybe one of my kids could be the topic of one of your stories. That would be the ultimate. For both of us. Steve Hartman on the road in Phoenix. I don't know. I think the ultimate is the brother being nice to his little brother. <laughs> How about that? Awesome. Seven forty-seven, and now for the Gene Ursula Show, which starts at nine here on Cairo News Go ahead. Radio. Here's G Scott. Go ahead. Go ahead and what? Play the sound, baby. Play the sound. Yeah. Oh. Have you asking me to score? Go That's ahead. Right. Tell the people. So last Friday, I asked G to predict the score of the Seahawks game. Now, just to put this in context, so far this year, he's been mostly wrong about the score. <laughs> Oh, Dave. <laughs> Yesterday turned out the score was 31 to 21. Let's go back to Friday and see what G said. I know you're going to ask me for the score, so let's get the score out of the way right now. Right, the, what's score, the score? The score is going to be yes. 31. 31. You love that 31. Eventually you'll hit 31. 19. Not that. <laughs> you, were, you were predicting they would miss two PATs, I guess. Huh? Right, 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 right. Um, look, this is outstanding. The Seahawks as a team remind me and all Seahawks fans about that person you know that just got out of a long relationship, right? They just got out of that long relationship. Yeah. <laughs> they have now gone to the gym. It's a new you. You're feeling good about yourself. That's the Seahawks. They got out that relationship, and man, they got a new body, boo. <laughs> Thank you. Are you happy about it or what? Yes, they are happy. I'm, I'm quite sure they're going to get a, probably a DM at like 2 or 3 in the morning. You up, Seahawks? 
<laughs> man, it is so good. Look, even if you are not a football fan, and even if you're if you're even if you're not a football fan in this Seattle town, when when they're winning, life is good. It's so fun. Your coffee tastes better. Your cooking tastes better. <laughs> your paycheck look better. Well, maybe not that far. But either way, it's been good. The Seahawks, here's the good news. They're getting ready to travel to Munich, Germany, right? And they're going to p- take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as you guys know, t- Tom Brady is the quarterback of that team. They've been kind of struggling. They did just get a win just now. But uh, it's not like people are thinking like, oh, oh, can the Seahawks? No, the Seahawks can actually play well yeah. against them. But here's some good news for you guys. The Seahawks have eight games left to play. Of those eight games, in the national in the NFL, their schedule, their strength of schedule of the rest of the teams they play, they rank 26th in the NFL, meaning they have some of the easiest schedule according to the win-loss records. They have to play against the Raiders. You know what I mean? They get a chance to. Now, of course, they got to play against the 49ers again. They have to play against the Rams twice. But they have some winnable games. And so things are exciting. This is, this is what you call, Dave, playing with house money. Right. So now, how excited are we getting here? You sound excited enough to predict that they might be contenders? Yes, sir. Yeah. Let me explain. Right now, the Seahawks are 6-3. and three. They've played nine games. They've won six, lost three. They have eight games the rest of the season. So let's just go simple math. Let's just say hypothetically. Is it fair to say? Are you guys okay with saying that the Seahawks could go maybe five and three out of the next eight games? I don't see why not. I don't see why not either. I know C- I know Pete Carroll gets mad when you start talking about other games instead of talking about the next game that's in front of you. But realistically speaking, this Seahawks team can go in five and three. So if they go five and three, Dave, you're talking about an eleven and six team. I think eleven and six gets you to the playoffs. And are they contenders? Absolutely. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in Geno Smith, right? They have one of the best running backs in rookie K9, Kenneth Walker III. Let's talk about that because. Incredible. I I just, it's true about your, your little analogy there with a whole new you because. They have such a credible running game, it is difficult to tell what they're going to do with each play. And it, it's, it looks like it seems to baffle the opposing team sometimes. 100%. They have options. Yeah. They have options. Wait a minute. Is that where you go with this, Heather? I think they when do. You, let me tell you, when you got options, you got options. You know what I mean? It feels good to have yeah. options. Like, mm, you know what? <sighs> not tonight. Uh, not Friday night. I'll get back to you when you have options, Dave. Heather started it. I, I, I was okay. done with the relationship oh, analogy. Always goes back to, goes back to Heather. She but, but, uh, but this, this, y'all. And speaking of, since we're on relationships, um, James said that you looked at the rundown that we did. did on Friday, and you had a question. The, you you discussed something called infladating, which is something I had never heard about. Right. What is it? So infladating right now is a very popular thing. Uh, one of the things that everybody discusses right now, especially uh, politicians, they all talk about inflation, right? Mm-hmm. You even have some politicians that talk about inflation, but they have no plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's another story in itself. But anyways, infladating is how to go and date on a budget. You got all the different dating sites. You got These are probably some of the ones you're familiar with. OkCupid, okay, Tinder, Bumble, Plenty of Fish. Have you been on any of these, Dave? Uh, afraid not. No. Okay. Yeah. 
You sure? Okay. So on these dating sites, they're giving you ideas in uh-huh. which that you can do to kind of save money. Save money. Don't I be see. just going out to these. I mean, these restaurants are expensive. You can go for a walk, right? You can go for a hike, right? You can go for coffee. That, as a matter of fact, that's what. That's how I met my wife. I met her at Anthem Coffee down there in Puyallup, right? Truth be told, I really didn't think she was going to be as good looking as her pictures. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's just meet for coffee. coffee. I showed up in T-shirt and shorts. She showed up looking like, oh, my goodness, I have failed. (laughs) Why don't you just split the cost? Or or do men still have to pay? What's the expectation Uh, these days? Heather? I think it depends. Mm-hmm. I, but, but what baffles me is have, haven't people gone to college? I mean, we, we've all been at that point in our lives where, where you're looking for budget friendly anything to do with a significant others walking. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should all have that experience, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I just want to get out of here because I don't want to yeah. get into who should pay. Yeah. You tried to set me I up, did. Dave. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. I tried. Make sure you ask Sully what I he thinks d- who I should pay. I cut you down a notch after that me? great prediction. You're getting yeah. kind of fool yeah. yourself. <laughs> man. Man, man should pay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the way I was raised. Yeah, the way I agree. I agree. Seattle's morning news, and yes, you have less than 48 hours to get those ballots in. And Cairo News Radio's Hannah Scott is here with some of the latest polling ahead of election day. Hannah. Good morning, yes. So uh, I talked with Andrew Minelouf with the Northwest Progressive Institute. They've been doing a lot of polling, uh, as they do every election season. And they just wrapped up one, uh, again, a statewide and a uh, King County uh, specific uh, polling last week. It, I think it, uh, it ended on November 3rd. It was 700 registered voters. Some of half of them had already voted, half who had not yet voted. So uh, one of the more interesting things that they found out in the King County specific races. We found a tied race for prosecutor. This is one of the most exciting contests for a down-ballot office that we've seen in King County in a long time. This is Lisa Mannion versus Jim Farrell, and these two candidates are running about even. Lisa Mannion had 32% in the aggregate in the poll, and Jim Farrell had 31% in the aggregate. So they're basically about as close as they could be. There are some voters who haven't yet made up their minds or who don't remember how they voted, but uh, we found a tied race among those who had made up their minds. <laughs> you can see that what caught your ear also. Is this, they voted. <laughs> and it's the thing, I had a whole conversation with him. I go, explain. Right? He said, because it's a down ballot race and yeah, it's a right. nonpartisan race. It, people, it, you know, they're just checking the box. They're not, they're like, I don't know. So that's, that's a little disconcerting. Huh. That's a bummer. Yeah. But, um, so the interesting numbers here, uh, it's, it's neck and neck. We're talking Lisa Mannion, Jim Farrell, and this is a big deal. He said, well, people might, because it's nonpartisan, there's a lot of other races on the ballot that are, of course, getting more attention. And this is, you know, Dan Satterberg has been in that role as King County prosecutor a dozen years. This yeah. is with crime as the biggest issue for most voters here I know. in King and County. And this is where the rubber hits the road on exactly, crime, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> so if you haven't cast your ballot yet, you'll yeah. you want to pay attention. Again, um, the original, so he did some polling coming out of the primary for these two, and it was 8%, they were both tied then at 8% with 80% undecided. Now we're at 31 and 32 percent, pretty much neck and neck, um, with just a handful again, either don't remember uh, and 
Yeah. That kind of thing. So, um, or hadn't decided yet. So that will be interesting. It's too close to call. It'll be an interesting thing to see what happens there. Again, Lisa Mannion is the current chief of staff, been in the office a long time, but is a little different, I think, than Dan Satterberg. And then Jim Farrell is the tougher on crime current mayor of Federal Way, who, of course, used to work in the prosecuting attorney's office. I want to cut through some of the stuff going on in the headlines about the the big race, the Patty Murray, Tiffany Smiler race. Yes. So, uh, Andrew Villeneuve says the latest on that race is. Uh, the race has not changed. It's a stable race. I think it's about about 10 points. I mean, the most credible polls have are between 9 and 14. So, somewhere in there, you know, 10 points is what we have. So, that's talking about Patty Murray being ahead by 9 to 10 points in their latest poll, the statewide and that's one. holding steady. That's, that's a, what he that's said. That's a pretty solid so, lead. I thought it was a toss-up. So, right. So did everyone. Yeah. And here's what he said. And I will say this. Uh, Andrew uh, Villeneuve and NPI, they're, they're on the progressive side. They outsource their polling, and they are very uh, fair and generally right in most of their polling. That's why I give him a lot of credibility. Uh, last week, I believe it was, at the beginning of the week, we had 538 did a poll that it was a, they combined, right? They looked mm-hmm. at all, a bunch of polls and put them all together, and they came out with like a one-point difference, yeah. right? So here's what he had to say about that. First of all, you have to take the not credible polls out of the mix because they're garbage. Garbage data is worthless. It adds nothing. So when a poll aggregator like 538 is averaging all the polls together, putting them all together, the problem with that is that you're you're polluting your data stream with bad data. The best way to look at the polling is to look at only the credible polls and take the non-credible ones out of the mix. So if you look at the polling by Emerson, SurveyUSA, our pollster public policy polling, if you look at Crosscut Elway, if you look at Strategies 360, 60 and Como. If you put all of the, the credible polls together, it's a range and the range is consistent. It's never less than nine points. And it's certainly not more than I think civics had had Maria like a 14 point lead. It's not wow. going to be more than that. So that's where uh, he's saying that we lie yeah. right now going in. But we'll see. You know, we've had Patty Murray was out all weekend with all the Democrats uh, stumping there, doing the get out the vote. That's the other big critical thing mm-hmm. here is making sure everybody votes. Uh, now, are they polling likely voters here? Uh, these, no, these are registered voters. Just these, registered voters. Yeah, these are registered voters. So so uh, we shall see. So a lot, it still depends on turnout in that it case. It does right? depend on turnout. Absolutely. Yeah. A couple other things I want to hit on on the congressional picture is the uh, for, if the 8th district. Absolutely. As always, I think I say every election season, 8th district is too close to call. It's even mm-hmm. even harder now with the, the different lines. It's so tightly drawn. You've got Kim Schreier and uh, facing off. And suddenly I've drawn a blank. <laughs> Help me with the the opponent uh, for Kim Schreier. I've oh, oh um, <laughs> yes, the uh, Matt. Matt Larkin, Larkin, thank you very much. Sorry, Matt. Um, these two are are very, very close. And I think that not everybody uh, expected Matt Larkin to be getting kind of the the momentum that he does. Uh, Jesse Jensen ran against her last season and didn't quite have the same momentum. So this is very, very close. Uh, one thing he did say was, in the, uh, he was glad to see different, uh, strategies by Kim Schreier as far as the ads go. So you have, um, you know, it's very partisan and a lot of the same typical things. Like you're seeing a lot of the same kind of ads and the same kind of messaging that you do from Patty Murray and Tiffany Smiley throughout their campaign. But you have one new commercial from uh, the Schreier campaign where she's sitting on like a park bench and you've got a Republican over here and a Democrat over here really hitting that middle ground area mm-hmm. instead of kind yeah, of right. some of the key policy issues. So 
So he was glad to see some creative thinking yeah. just in. Well, you have to in that district. Right. That's, that's what exactly. it is. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see if she hangs on to that. The other one that's really getting a lot of attention now, too, is the third district congressional race. Joe Kent has some good momentum. In fact, Andrew Villeneuve tells me he thinks it would be. Uh, a surprise to him if Marie Gosenkamp-Perez, the Democrat, uh, who came up very strong in the primary, were to actually come out as the winner in that race. So it's entirely possible he thinks that we'll see Joe Kent, the Republican, mm-hmm. who, you know, he gets attacked as being connected to right. kind of the far right. Well, it was a Republican seat under Jamie Herrera Butler, right? It was. And then a lot of them punished her for the impeachment, for impeachment vote. Yeah. But when you when uh, in interviews, people talking to voters after uh, there were some Republicans who veered and went to the Democratic side for Marie because they felt that uh, they didn't agree with some of the Joe Kent extremism, Hmm. I say in quotes, if if you will. Um, But there's uh, he's got a lot of momentum going into the end here towards Election Day. And if you look at Crosscut today, Crosscut, uh, Joe Sullivan has a great story about how this could be the one, the third district race could Hmm. be the one that actually decides the balance of power in Congress. Yeah, well, I mean, well, (laughs) when it's that closely divided, any any one race could do it right. Did they have it? Did they have any uh, debates? NPI did. Uh, I don't believe they had any debates. No, we uh, they uh, cover. Andrew usually covers a lot of the debates and he does a lot yeah. of the polling. Uh, but no, we had uh, outsiders who were doing a lot of the uh, debating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the debates, uh, the debates I've been a part of and seen, I don't know that anybody came out. Uh, certainly a, a strong winner. It depends on which way yeah. you're going. Uh, I think there's a lot of toss-ups. I think we'll be in for some interesting results. Again, has to do with getting out that vote. So if that ballot is still sitting on your kitchen That's table, right. we've got, what, like 36 That's hours, right. right? Or if they have to make 20,000 calls to people who didn't sign their ballots. Oh, yes. I mean, we've got until the, the certification's December 8th, right? Yes, so you've exactly. got a whole month before they... This, but I, I don't want to wait that long. No. People, so sign neatly, <laughs> will you? Sign it neatly. Yes, please. <laughs> Hannah Scott. Thank you, Hannah. You bet. Seattle's Morning News. This is Dave Ross with Heather Bosch, who is in for Colleen O'Brien. And joining us is CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger. So uh, based on your latest Jill on Money blog, the problem appears to be that the economy is too resilient. It refuses to recess. I mean, it's sort of interesting. When we got that jobs report, there was like good news, bad news. It was a solid number, 261,000 jobs. And we are seeing job growth start to taper off some, but we're still seeing growth. And I know that a lot of the focus can go to the headline, Elon Musk fired half the staff. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is firing. The, but these are not big employers in the United States. Oh, so really the problem not. is that we need more employers to go all Elon Musk and fire half their employees? Let's not go crazy there, mister. What I'm saying is <laughs> instead that what we'd like to see is that the labor market does slow down, not to the point where we're seeing huge job losses, but we are trying to see the delicate balance here. The balance is The economy and the job market have to slow down enough to allow inflation to come down. And right now, clearly, inflation remains a problem. We will get another CPI report out on Thursday. It's going to show a tiny bit of progress and not a lot of progress. And again, you know how a big headline can steal the thunder? You know, we've been talking so much about gas prices, and that's actually not what's really worrisome. What's worrisome is this component called shelter, right? Mm -hmm. The cost of housing. And when you look at rent or the way the government does this is they take the equivalent of what it would cost you to rent your house if you own. 
When you look at those numbers, it seems that to me, shelter is the much bigger problem here because shelter is, you know, 30 about a third of the CPI. And so we've got to see that number come down. And so far, by the way, it has not. Okay, so the classic economic solution to that would be more supply. But I imagine loan construction loans are now very expensive, too. So where's the motivation for for builders to build more homes and knock those prices down? Well, I mean, listen, supply is constrained. And the problem also is, is that just generally speaking, it's not just builders, existing homes, which are much bigger part of the marketplace than new homes. We're not seeing people list their homes. Why? Well, who wants to give up a three and a half or even a three and three quarter or four percent more? mortgage when it would cost you like you'd have to go list your home go out and get another new home loan and now it's over seven percent you're not giving up that ultra low rate and as a result there are so many people who are waiting and saying you know what i'd just rather do something nice in my house i'll just do a nice project i'll I'll add a bathroom and they they are not going to give up those rates and so that has really pushed a the has really constrained supply to the point where prices are actually staying fairly high in housing. They're coming down, but they are not actually been down from a year ago. It's just that the price increases are starting to slow down a bit. Okay, but what I'm hearing is that the Fed's strategy to squeeze inflation out is causing inflation in the category that's the most at fault, which is housing. Well, no, not exactly, because now that rates are up, housing prices are down. Uh-huh. I mean, they are down. There's but your no mortgage doubt. payments are up. Well, that's for your new home. But but just to be clear, in September, the median existing home price was $384,000. That's down from $413,000. That is what the Fed wants. Mm -hmm. The Fed does want that. They they actually would like to see that that prices go down even more. They're less concerned with what happens in, like, the new purchase market. But they're, again, a delicate balance. They are interested in that housing's a massive part of the economy. And so they don't want to see a crash in the housing market market. And I'm not sure that anyone's really predicting that just because we're not, it's not 2005, six where everyone's over leveraged. If anything, the, the issue in the housing market continues to be about supply. We've had under, we've had a low level of supply since the housing crash and recovery from that. So I think that what the Fed is really trying to do is say, we need to slow things down. We don't want to slow so much to slip, slip into a recession. If we do, they're willing to actually have the economy slow down and go into a recession. They want to minimize the impact, especially on lower wage earners. Yeah. Okay. So um, one more time, I know I've asked you this question before, but this is the, one of the big issues in the campaign. Five, ten and a half. What? Oh, you didn't ask me that. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me how tall I was. I know how tall you are because I've seen you in person and I don't want to be reminded of that because I'm only five, six. Anyway, um, there's this idea that if if only there had not been all this stimulus money shoveled out during the pandemic, we wouldn't be in this predicament. So suppose there had been no stimulus. Would that have been a better uh, a better hmm. way out? Um, maybe. I don't, I think that the last round of stimulus might have been more than was necessary. So that may be true. But, you know, listen, every advanced economy has inflation right now. And not every single economy did the exact same level of a stimulus. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to balance this out, like how much is stimulus. But, you know, listen, when, when we came out of the pandemic, the supply chain thing was real. Okay. And this idea of pent up demand was real. And yes, certainly U.S. consumers had more money on hand because of stimulus efforts. But 
that's gone. I mean, the savings rate's down at 3.1%. So if inflation remains high here and overseas in advanced economies, I think the answer lies deeper than just too much money in, in terms of the stimulus. It has a lot more to do with the unique nature of this particular pan, post-pandemic economy. So as with Christmas coming, for people who want to do the patriotic thing and whip inflation now... Uh, should they discipline themselves when Christmas shopping? Or Yes. Just- do not spend money on dopey Christmas presents. Just stop. It's so dumb anyway, because you know what? Every time I come on the air and I talk about this during the holidays, people totally roll their eyes at me. But it is true. There is absolute evidence that the gifts, the physical gifts that you give are meaningless long term, that the thing that you need to give is time. And that if you give time or experience, that is a longer lasting memory for every adult. And by the way, ask your kids who are grown up now their best Christmas present. They're probably not going to remember. Jill Schlesinger. Thank you, Jill. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News, the podcast. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. You can find our podcast weekday mornings right at 930. And if you subscribe, you will never miss the Daily Dose of Kindness.